You see, mm -hmm. so we're not even getting proper nutrition from the foods that we eat. In fact, these foods are, you know, they're not really foods by definition, if you really think about it, because of, of foods is any nutritious substance that maintains life and growth of plants, humans, and animals, right? So if, if you have uh, humans with high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, cancer, sickle cell, then you're not maintaining life and growth. So you can't be eating food. I don't know what it is you eat, but you, you're eating a bunch of chemicals that are put together and they call it food, but it's not food. This is the Blossom of Thought podcast, a podcast about the body, mind, and soul. And your host is Impilo Kambule. On this episode from Charleston, South Carolina, US of A, I have Brother Kate Was Hotip, a healthy and body healing expert, entrepreneur, educator, and founder of Sacred Roots Shop. Kate is a protege of the famed Dr. Lila Africa, one of the world's foremost authorities on health and nutrition. Welcome, brother. Good thanks. Good thanks for having me, good brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's really awesome to have you. I always keep my eyes open, my ears wide open to find people who have gone back to the traditional African healing modalities. Brother Kat, I listened to an interview where you, you know, you were asked if you are a healer and uh, you gave quite an interesting response. I'm not going to say what response you gave. Are you a healer? <laughs> no, every, everyone's a healer. You know what I mean? Um, I'm a healer because I heal myself, right? But, you know, um, we all have the ability to heal ourselves. Now, when it comes to healing another, I simply guide you to heal it. You understand? I can't, I cannot heal. No one can heal anyone. Like, that's the reality of it is you can only guide so when the healing, so I may have the information to give you so that you can heal yourself. But if I don't, but if, but but if you don't do it, then we all fail, right? I, I I didn't heal you because you didn't use the plan. I said, hey, use this plan for your high blood pressure or whatever. If you don't do it, then who who's I didn't heal you. You know what I mean? And if you do do it, I still didn't heal you. You did it. The plant did it. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, we can call ourselves healers and give all these, you know, titles. But the reality of it is um, I just guide people, you know what I mean, to, to healing. That's uh that sounds very modest and uh, and very <laughs> humble. <laughs> but I think I think I agree with you hundred percent on this one because you have the knowledge you had to mix at the end of the day. Maybe let me make another example. If I take water from the tap and drink. Did I quench my thirst, or is the water that quench my thirst? I think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So we yeah gotta, I understand we, you. <laughs> right. So we gotta give nature, you know what I'm saying, the reverence when it comes to true healing, because I can tell you this plant is gonna heal you, right? But let's say the chemicals in this plant don't work, right? That nature puts the chemicals in the plant and gives this spirit of the plant where it's able to heal. Now, nature or God or whatever name you would like to call, if it does not put that, you know, particular chemicals in the plant that is used to heal, then guess what? So in the, in all, in the ultimate scheme of things, nature, you know what I mean, is the, the, the real true healer. Yeah, nature becomes our teacher, becomes our healer. You know, yeah, I agree with you. Let's get to your journey on living a healthy lifestyle, on becoming a nutritionist or a herbalist, maybe caught and caught becoming a healer. Tell us about that because we have connections with uh, the, the famed Dr. Lila Africa. Take us mm -hmm. on that. You know, with me and probably most healers, right, is, is at one point in time you were sick, right? And so... That was my, that's the beginning of my story. I was sick, 
You know, I had real bad allergies. I had real bad asthma, you know, to the point where I had to use a, a pump, you know, a breathalyzer, these things um, to just catch my breath. You understand? And um, and so, I, you know, I was about 14, 13, 14 years old. And um, I just got tired of it. You know, I, I just got tired of living this way where you can't really run at full speed because you can't, you don't have enough breath to do it. You know, allergies are bad. So when, uh, you know, the summertime, well, not the summertime, but when the springtime comes, you, you know, your eyes are puffy, nose running. You, you really can't even go outside. I couldn't even cut the grass, you know what I mean? Because, you know, it, it was almost like I was allergic to outside in a sense. And, but I always loved being outside. So I always was outside anyway. I would just suffer through it because I love being outside. just like any childhood, you know. But my parents, you know, uh, they had a lot of herbs in the house. You know, it was, herbs, it was always herbs in the house. Most growing up around my age, you know, um, it was some form of herbal remedies in the house, you know. Um, and so, you know, my parents would, you know, want me to drink these particular teas before I go outside. And hey, you got to drink this before you go outside. And, you you know, in a child's eyes, and taste buds, you're thinking, oh, man, that's nasty. I don't want to drink this. And you know what I mean? So I would fake like I would drink. I never would drink it, right? And, um, you know, so I could imagine, like, my mother probably was wondering, like, oh, these herbs are, you know, these rubbish. These herbs don't work. Or, you know what I mean? But they didn't know I just wasn't even really, like, you know, drinking it, you know? Yeah, I know. I've drank a lot of bitter herbs in my life. Yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> Being yeah, African, yeah. by the way. That's right. You already, I know you know, you know, so, uh, but eventually, you know, I started making them myself. I said, well, maybe let's make it myself, you know, so I started making the tea myself. I started putting anything in the pot. I really didn't even know at that age what I was putting in the pot, but I just kept doing it. Now that I'm older, I realized that I was using uh, mullion, uh, fenugreek, I had chickweed as well. Um, and slippery elm. Those were the the herbs that I was using, and um, and Paul Diaco, you know what they may call tahibo, right? But I was using these herbs, and um, I was just I would just drink it every day, drink it every day. But I would notice that I was improving. My health was just improving. I could run. I didn't even need the pump anymore, you know. And um, and so I, I felt better, you know. But um, it wasn't until, you know, I met a guy. Well, I didn't met him. It was a guy in my neighborhood. We already, we knew each other. We all, you know, they were older than me. In my neighborhood, we grew up, um, it was a lot of uh, Muslims or what they call 5% of the nation of gods and earths, you know. You know, so I will always be around them anyway because, you know, I like the philosophy of the black man is God. And, you know, I love hearing that as a child, like, when black man is God, like, you know, so that I was fascinated by that, but, you know, they would tell me things like, you know, you got to stop eating that cheese and stop eating all that beef and, you know, things like that. And, you know, I was rebellious. I was like, man, I ain't giving up no mac and cheese. And, you know what I mean? Mac and cheese, I can't eat no more. What? You crazy. You know, can't eat chicken? Man, you must be crazy. You know what I'm saying? And so... I would fight with it for a little while, but you know, I noticed, you know, I, I don't know. I I just figured why not, you know? So I tried it, you know, I tried it. Um, I stopped eating cheese and things like that. And it was a fight in the house, you know, because you know, your mother cooking, right? So your mom was cooking, you know, mac and cheese and chicken and collard greens and you know, all these things, Southern, you know, type foods. Very yeah, you know, so it's like you got this fourteen-year-old child saying, "Ah, no, I don't, I don't eat this anymore, Mama. I'm not eating that no more." So you know, they're looking at you like you're crazy. Like, well, boy, you just eat this the other day. You're gonna eat this, you know? And I'm like, no, I don't eat this no more. You know what I'm saying? So I stopped eating it. You know, so it was like, a, it was like, you know, this boy is going crazy. You know, he's not eating it anymore, and this and that. And um, after a while, they realized that I was serious, you know. So she started, you know, putting, you know, my own pot to the side. Like if she would make some collard greens or something. Normally in the South, you know, they're going to put some form of meat in it. They say that's the seasoning, right? But for my pot, she wouldn't put any meat in it and things and just make it with you know, season it well with, with herbs, which is crazy, right? And then, um, so bless her because she, you know, she, you know, she realized like, okay, maybe it's a phase, maybe it's not, but let's just see this thing too. 
And then she, but she was also able to pay attention and realize my improvement and my health. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that helping her and her hospital bill anyway. Cause it's like, well, I don't even have to take him to the hospital. He's taking these herbs and he changing his diet. So now I'm at a point where I'm not, you know, I'm not sick anymore. I've given up all meats. You know, I, I didn't eat any more animal flesh at this point. I wasn't eating any cheese, nothing, you know. And back then, they didn't have all the substitute cheeses and substitute milks and, you know, those things, the tofu and, you know, they didn't have all that stuff back then, you know. So I was really just fruits and grains and vegetables, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, at that time, and, um, you know, so I, I just got, um, you know, I, that's how, I, that's really much how I healed myself, you know, is just changing my diet using the little herbs that I did have in the cabinet. And um, I started to educate myself more. Now I'm in like in high school, I'm starting to educate myself now, you know, I'm coming up age where I, I'm kind of knowing what I'm doing, you know what I mean? And um, actually able to, um, recognize certain plants in, in, the, in the natural environment, you know, that we would have, you know, in the, in the local country in Charleston and on to college, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to breeze through a lot of this stuff, right? Because there's a story in itself, right? But going to college, you know, going to HBCU, I was able to meet different people from different variety of, you know, various cultures, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in the Caribbean, you know, um, any place here in, in the West. And, you know, now I'm starting to meet people like that think like me and, and you know, and, and eat like me. And, you know, it's like they got these herbs. And I'm like, oh, you got these herbs. And, you know, you got, you know, brothers and sisters from the Caribbean, they parents sending them with herbs. And I'm like, yeah, you got these herbs. Well, look, I got these herbs. And we trade in herbs and you try to taste this and take, you know what I mean? So it was like, you know, I was able to really expand my um, knowledge of herbs by just experiencing, you know, different cultures all in one place, you know. And so that was a, a good advantage for me then, you know. So we fast forward, you know, I was able to, um, you know, I just got to a point where I was starting to heal other people. Now I'm healing people or guiding people to healing because, you know, I'm getting known for, oh, that's the guy that got herbs. Oh, he's a root man. The root man, he got herbs. And, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. So it's like, yo, what you got for this? I would just go in the house and take this, you know, and I would never sell. I, I wasn't selling herbs at that point. It was just giving people herbs. Like, you know, I just, I love the, the feeling of just helping people. And um, so I would just give herbs, you know, to people just to help. It wasn't until I met, well, then I won't say met her, but I knew her within the neighborhood too, um, an elder who um, I helped heal of um, diabetes. And she gave me $100, you know, she gave me $100 and was like, hey, this is your calling, this, this is what you're going to do. And I was like, well, no, I don't want you, I don't need the money. She's like, no, I want to sow. And, you know, down the South here, we... They call it sowing into your business, you know, real Christian right thing. So they sow into your business by, you know, you know, they may give you money or give you extra or something just yeah. to bless your business, you know. Yeah. And um, and so that's what she did. And um, and I, you know, for some reason, I listened to her. You know what I mean? That just I, I listened to her. You know, and I um, before it was Sacred Roots, it was called Natural Essence. That was the name of the business at that time. And I changed the name once I started. When I linked up, you know, I actually linked up with uh, Dr. Obaba, Baba Dr. Laila Africa. Just learning from him, learning, um, just sitting at his feet, man, and, and just learning, taking in information. Um, you know, I, I, I think I was ready. You know, I felt like I was ready. You know, I was already doing things, but I, I still felt like, there was something still I need to learn. And it's I still feel like that today. I'm always going to feel like it's always something I need to learn. You know what I mean? And um, so Sacred Roots was born, you know, through out of that. But for the most part, it was just through my sickness, you know. And I probably speak for every healer, you know. Um, you get to a point where you heal yourself first. And, you know, you, you figure it out. Like, 
man, if I felt like this, you just want people to feel like how you feel. You know what I mean? You because you know how they felt. Now you know how you feel. So you 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 recognize that man, I was sick because I feel great now. So you you understand the difference between sickness and health at this point. So now you, you're able to say, man, I want everyone to feel like this. You know what I'm saying? So you, you know, you just share this information, you share your plans, you share your information on just um, dying alone or, or I call it lipids. And, you know, that's just, that's where your journey begins, you know, so. You know, when you help people, you feel so good. That's typical African, you know, you live in a community, the spirit of what we call Ubuntu and collectivism, you know, where we go together as a group. I don't view myself as an individual. So my happiness comes from the group, not just from self-stimulation or self-advancement. It's when you are out there in the community helping others and as you help others they help you too you advance together i remember a quote from is it uh, edwin Markham's? he mm-hmm. says that we are all angels with one wing and we can only fly if we embrace it or when we embrace each other so that's mm-hmm. typically the african culture so i really get you there when you talk about the feeling good when you're helping people that's your journey yeah, began with just helping, helping, and somebody decided to introduce, you know, profit to you and say, hey, you can live actually on this and help the community. I'm planting or I'm investing on your on your business or in what you're doing. But I want us now to speak historically, sp- speaking history and uh, the African tradition, uh, culture and healing modalities, speak disease. We have left our roots in terms of diet and healing as African people and uh, taking diet and culture of other people. For those who came to the Americas through slavery and even us who still remain in the motherland through colonization, Mm -hmm. our education has been Western education and also through colonization. And since colonizers want to make more profit, they export more, expect us to import from their exports. And that makes us, you know, change our diet and end up focusing on the food that they have given us. So they give us. So, that Africa does a lot of import from Europe, from America, from France, from uh, other countries. Tell us about the disconnect right there, disconnecting from our roots in terms of diet and the healing modalities. Right. So that's that's really what exactly it is. It's um just colonization, you know. So we get you. You are now out of we. We are out of our minds at this point. We are out of our spirits, literally, and in, in somebody else's mind and spirit. You see. And so everything was in order, you know, once, you know, the invasion of Europeans or whatnot came in, they they just literally flipped that everything around. So, you know, we could we could start with saying how the planet, every culture dealt with plants for healing. Right. So but we more particularly, we're going to talk about Africa because Africa was the center, the, the, the cradle of civilization. Right. So we know like our shamans, our what we call Bushmans or all that. And even our women, the women actually were the ones who taught the men. Right, because the women were the gatherers, where men were more sort of hunters. Right, so the women were the ones gathering the plants and the and the um the berries and the whatnot, and they would teach the men when they were going these um expeditions what to look, look for, what plant not to eat, what plant to eat if this happens or you get cut, use this leaf to wrap it and so on. Right, so it was the woman, you know that that taught the men. And so we already had knowledge of plants. We were so in tune with nature that the plants would talk to us. You understand? You're talking about spirit plants. We They would talk to us. You see, so we have gotten so our disconnect has come from the fact that our vibrations have dropped because 
of amalgamating with this uh, European culture. You see, at the end of it, that that's really the root cause of it. But the beautiful thing about it also is that it's it wasn't it's not fully lost, and it never was. It never was fully lost. It always was. Um, even we can say Africa, or we can talk about the Africans and diaspora when they brought when they captured us and brought us here. We brought our plants with us, or we let's say we brought our seeds with us, right? Because a lot of times we um, would have talismans, right? Talismans that would have seeds on these talismans, right? We would maybe plant the seed in this foreign land because now we can make a connection and show that, because I have brothers in South Africa that use the same plants that we use here. Now we call it life everlasting. I forgot the name, what they what they call it over there, what they're saying, Goma call it over there. But they use it to burn for rituals, right? We use it for burning. The Native Americans used to use it for burning for rituals too. They called it rabbit tobacco, right? But we also used it for, you know, healing fevers and digestive system, things of that nature. So we can make a connection. The language has just been changed. So now we don't know if this is the same plant we're talking about or not, you see. Now, as far as the disconnect, like I said, is is still spawning from the European. They they took if you rob people of their culture, of their language, of their mores, things of that nature, it's just it's easy to see where the um, the disconnect came from. Even to this day, right? Um, we can talk here. Like look for example, I say like we were so in tune with nature that they have a whole doctrine in in herbalism. We call it a uh, doctrine of signature, right? The doctrine of signature, what it means is plants that plants normally resemble the organ that they heal in the body, right? So these are how plants were able to also communicate with us as well. And this is how we knew what plant was, wasn't poisonous, you know, by either the color, odor, um, the taste, Right, we could taste a little bit and say, "Oh no, that's a poisonous one. We don't want to ingest this too much." Or, you understand? We were able to know what plants were used. So, for and I'll give an example. Like, say, for example, when you look at a walnut, right? When you look at a walnut, you crack open the walnut. What does it look like? What does it resemble? It resembles the brain, right? Oh, the, it looks like the brain. Now I'm thinking the heart for some reason. <laughs> the heart? Okay, we can talk, we can give an example of the heart too. But the walnut looks like a brain when you crack it open, right? Now the walnut has is, is a, has a high amount of omega fatty acids which in copper, which is excellent for the brain, for brain health, you see? So eating walnuts will help with brain health. Now you talk about the heart. Um, let's look at the tomato. You cut open a tomato, you see the four chambers in a tomato, sort of yeah. like the four chambers of the heart, right? Yeah. So those are examples of what we call signatures, right? Yeah. We call it a signature. Where nature basically signs, you know, off on certain plants that mimic the body. Because remember, it's all one. It's nothing is uh, separate from one another. The body, the, the our, our us in nature is all one. We're all interdependent entities on this planet. There's, there's no way around it. The tree need um, carbon dioxide that we breathe out and we need the oxygen that the tree breathes, breathes out. You understand? So yeah, definitely all, everything is connected to everything else. And I am nature, nature is me. Right. So it's all connected. Where the disconnect comes from is when we start using things outside of nature um, to use in is we think it's going to heal us, right? When we go back and we can start in 19, in the early 1930s, right, where the first um, synthetic medicines were formed, right, by Dr. Well, I don't think he's, no, nah, he's not a doctor, but um, John D. Rockefeller, right? We can talk about John D. Rockefeller, who basically used um, what you call petrochemicals. Now, John D. Rockefeller was an oil tycoon back then in the 1930s, right? The first white billionaire in, in America or whatnot. Um, but he had oil, right? So his scientists noticed that the, the the disregard parts of the oil, the scrap parts of the oil, what they call petrochemicals, were they had 
minerals in it. It had vitamins in this stuff, right? And so being the, the type of tycoon you is, nothing go to waste, right? So you're looking at it, you're like, well, we, we could make money off this too. And we could sell this to the people. We could make it a, to a little pill and we could say, hey, this is multivitamins and whatever you have, right? Um, the only problem was most of the world in, in this country as well all were still on holistic health or dealing with plant medicine. They didn't it, remember if 1930s was where the first like form of synthetic medicines came, that means they were still using plants for healing, right? All of these medical industries, medical schools, whatnot, were still using plants. Um, you have a guy by the name of Abraham Flexner. Yeah, I see. I was about to mention him that he was working with Abraham Flexner, who was a, I understand from reading a racist, that was the one who was more foremost in eradicating proper medicine right. as a service, but ended up becoming, I mean, making it a, a profit-driven service. That's right. That's right. And what Abraham Flexner did, they paid him to go to all of these different uh, medical schools and pretty much said, look, get out or lay down. You're either going to do it our way. This is our new curriculum. You're going to push these medicines or your school is going to shut down. Now, the, the, the key point about this, too, is that, you know, 1930s, you're talking about the Great Depression. So a lot of these businesses, a lot of these schools are hanging on by a thread anyway. Right. So now if you offer them, say, hey, we're giving you one hundred thousand dollars. If you teach these teach your students about this, do away with plants. We're going to teach them about this. Now, most schools going to say, ah, why not? Some schools didn't and they end up closing down. Right. So now you have doctors that are coming out of school that are still going by this same curriculum. This is, and you can research it. It's called the Flexner Report, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I read the Flexner Report on maybe analysis of the Flexner Report. I was interested in that because I saw how how African people this side suffered uh, through that program and they lost a lot. Their old medical educational institution had to shut down, if I remember very well. That's right. That's right. And so that was the, the, the new and the key disconnect from holistic health to now you have what we call it, you know, uh, Western medicines or whatnot. Right. So you had that connect. And they even play it in the names. I always tell everybody this all the time. When you think about it, they call it now they call um, they call it alternative medicine, right? Alternative health. But if you really look at the word as compound, right? So you saying alter native, right? Alter means to change. Where native comes from the French word natif, which means the firstborn or first inhabitant of something, the original or something. So you see, and they change the original, right? And then they call their medicine synthetic. Synthetic medicine come from the Greek word synthetikos, which basically means fake or to replace, right? To replace something. So they you sh they're showing, they're telling you what they're doing, even within their language, that they have replaced the original or changed the original to something that is fake or something that is basically a placebo, right? So now you're taking medications that are full of chemicals, and now they're going to pretty much have side effects because a lot of these medicines are really still extracted from plants, Right? The chemicals are still extracted from plants, but what they are doing is taking, let's say, um, let's say they take um, white willow bark, right? They have to take white willow bark because, um, and they'll see, they'll they examine white willow bark and they'll see that it has what we call sisilic acid, in it, right? Sisilic acid is the main compound in white willow bark that helps with headaches and pain. What they do is they isolate the salicylic acid and they come up with a product called aspirin and they'll use that only for salicylic acid. But, and they'll say that's the active ingredient. When you read the bottle, right, they'll mm -hmm. say the active ingredient. So nature don't work like that. That's the thing about it. The white willow bark needs all the chemicals in it. So I always tell people, it's like, yo, it's like taking your hand and you saying, oh, they look at the thumb and they say, oh, the thumb is what grips things. Let's just take the thumb so we can grip things. Now, the problem with that is 
a thumb can't work by itself. It still needs other fingers, right? So the same thing with salicylic acid. It still needs all the other compounds and chemicals that was in the white willow bark. So now, since you don't have the full compound, this aspirin can now have side effects. So now the side effects, you know, they use it to thin blood. Yeah, it may help with the headache, but it's thinning your blood. Now you at the, um, the danger and risk of having heart attacks, strokes, right, from taking too much of this aspirin, you see? So um, they, they separate nature, and this is where the disconnect coming from because we're, we're no longer in tune with this anymore. We, we're starting to, I mean, we've already done it, really, but we're, we're almost like hooked on it now at this point. You know what they they have us hooked on these different um these different drugs and medication and it's so hard to get off of you know because because you're in a you're in a drug state so you're not even thinking properly to um say oh I want to get off this you know get off this medication etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, you remind me of a friend of mine. He's from Mali. Um, mm. He record he learned that there is somebody here who has been sick with a back problem, and has spent over a million US dollars trying to to be healed. You know, in the United States, you can go bankrupt just because you are sick. So he mm-hmm. says, he's speaking to us and other friends and he's saying, you know what, I told this lady, if I can just go back home, I can come back with something that is very cheap or she may not even pay much for it or anything for it that can solve her problem. She, this person mm-hmm. has spent so much. So I think you are speaking to the issue of uh, synthetic medicine and the expense that you go through just to, you know, to get yourself healed vis-a-vis traditional medicine where you won't pay much. I looked at your website and I'm looking at the things that you are selling there traditional or let me say herbs, but they're affordable for somebody who is going to school who may not have the wherewithal to pay a lot of money to go see a doctor for consultation. What I have to pay you to get a herb and get healed may sometimes may not even amount to consultation fee for a Western doctor. So Mm -hmm. I'm just bringing this up as a a point to portray what you are saying about uh, Western medicine, uh, which (laughs) uh, Rockefeller D has had so much to do with it. Well, let me ask another question. Mm. You able to educate yourself, you know, and not only that, went far and, you know, became a student of Dr. Laila Africa, very, very, very known, and uh, made a great contribution to the healing modalities and uh, just healing human beings on this earth. Are there any traces of books medical books that or writings that were left by African ancestors, the ancients. You know, when you talk about medicine, you can trace it back to Emhotep as one of the world first multi-genius. And he was a medicine man. And I understand that he was not only him, his mother and sister were, but he comes up prominent. So are there any books that or writings that they left that have the treasures of how we can rediscover, reorient ourselves as far as healing is concerned, as far as, you know, making food or medicine. Right, absolutely. So, the old, the, matter of fact, the oldest medical scripts, you know, um, have been found in Africa, right? So you have the um, the Kahun, they call it the Kahun papyrus, right? Which they have a lot of uh, medical scripts in it on basically all means on how to heal and even do operations, surgeries, things like that. You have the Edwin papyrus. Now, mind you, when you're saying you know, all these names, these are the people that stole it, right? You know, so Ed, from Edwin Smith. So they'll call it the Edwin papyrus, but we know, you know, there's no Edwin that was in Africa, right? So we know that when I'm saying these names, these are not these are names of the people that stole these scripts, right? So Edwin Papyrus um, is another one. Um, you had the um, Papyrus of Ebers or the Book of Ebers, like even saying Papyrus, that's that's just paper. So that's like why why are we saying that, right? Um, but this 
so you got the, the book of Ebers, um, or Papyrus of Ebers, right? All of these books um, had plants that, that they used, whether it was um, to heal, and they have different, um, they had like different, like literally different like prescriptions in there where you can heal eyes, you know, use to heal eye wash, heal blindness, um, heart disease, um, you know, aches, sprains, you know, things of that nature. They had all of these things that our ancestors left to us, you know, in these in these books, in these um, manuscripts. So these were the oldest, and these were actually where you know you know where um, when you talk about Diogenes and, and um, Hippocrates, all of these men that came in the um, ancient Kemet or Tamaray, and they and they learned from our elders, from our ancestors, you know, and took this information back. Even when you talk about even the even the Asians, you know, the Asians, the Indians, all of these Ayurvedic medicines and all of that stuff, all of this stuff can be traced back to Africa. You see? Why do they why do they take away so much from the Africans though? That's the thing. Because you're gonna hear about Asian medicines, you always hear about, you know, the, the Hindu Ayurvedic medicine. Western medicine, you hear everybody, but you never hear about the African. So what happened to us? Like we had, like we didn't have no type of healing or nothing. Like if we were the first people on the planet, which is already a proven fact, this is just science, right? It's a proven yeah. fact. Yeah. That we were the cradle of civilization. What will make us think, you know, that we didn't have plant medicine, you know, to heal ourselves? You know what I mean? And so you can even, you even know that to be true also because we can fast forward to, um, from Africa to here, our healers was on that boat too. You know what I'm saying? So when our healers came here, they were still healing. They were healing the slave masters and all. Like, you see what I'm saying? Mm. Slave masters didn't go to the doctor. They went to who, who the, 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 the slaves were going to. So they, they even know who. Um, the, the medicine woman or the medicine man was. I think their writings they will not recognize the African as being their healing masters. They will no, pretend they will like they are the ones who have developed all these genius or ways of uh, healing the body. Absolutely. So yeah, those, those are like literally the first scripts. You know, when we talk about those books, but those books, if you can find those books, and you know they have, um, you know, versions of them now that you could probably find online or maybe, you know what I mean? But um, those books, you know, for the most part, those those are the oldest medical textbooks, you know, that were found in Africa. Here's a follow-up question to that. From your experience, because you have taken a, a lot of time studying, it's not like just like you are looking at somebody, how he's doing. Yes, in Africa, we taught that way. You learn from your father or your mother, who's a great healer. You're always around, is sending you to go and pick these this roots here, go and get these leaves there. And then as uh, they are making the medicine, you get to learn, which was which itself is education itself. You don't need something to be written down in order for it to be education. <laughs> So where I'm going with this is, do you think from experience, having studied also, not just only from being a protege of Dr. Lala Africa, do you think modern medicine has advanced so much to surpass this ancient medicine, which is recorded in this papyrus we're talking about? Do you feel like, well, we have advanced as a society that we have surpassed in our understanding of the body, understanding of plants, and understanding on which plant will apply to heal what? Well, if that was so, why are we more sick than our ancestors were sick? That's a good question. You see? Why, no why argument have... anymore. No further argument. <laughs> <laughs> we're more sick than we were back then. We got more hospitals. We got more gyms. We got all of these things. If you see a gym on every corner, if you see a hospital on every corner, that means this is a sick society. The society is sick. Yeah. Oh, well, it's sickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about disease. Yeah, because I mentioned earlier on that we talk about the history and then disease. There are prevalent diseases today. And I'm sure in the community, as people come with this virus, you have just mentioned, in fact, that we are more sick. Uh, there is a proliferation of all kinds of healthy structures, healthy 
systems and agencies and call them what you may. But uh, that proliferation does not necessarily mean that we are getting more healed, we are getting more better, as you have uh, correctly pointed out. So what are some of the diseases that are prevalent in the community, the ones that we have to deal with, that you observe people have? Maybe just mention three and let's talk about them and what they are, just one by one. Um, man, that's so many. But you you can you can you can bet somebody's gonna come in with high blood pressure. Like and I'm just mm-hmm. talking from experience uh, with a lot of people come in to my shop, you know, when they come into the shop it's high blood pressure. Um, it could be even go as deep as cancer. It could be arthritis. It could be, you know, high cholesterol. It could be diabetes, heart disease, you know, all of these things. But high blood, but they all link to one thing, and that is a mineral deficiency. Mm. We are mineral deficient because the foods that we eat are mineral deficient, you know. Even the, the, the soil that we grow the food in most of the time, if you don't test it, is mineral deficient. You see, so we're not even getting proper nutrition from the foods that we eat. In fact, these foods are, you know, they're not really foods by definition, if you really think about it, because of, of foods is any nutritious substance that maintains life and growth of plants, humans, and animals, right? So if, if you have uh, humans with high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis, cancer, sickle cell, then you're not maintaining life and growth. So you can't be eating food. I don't know what it is you eat, but you, you're eating a bunch of chemicals that are put together and they call it food, but it's not food. So a lot of times it's just a mineral deficient. So an example of high blood pressure, we can say high blood pressure is when your blood or your heart, right, is is pumping hard, it's pumping this blood harder because it's trying to get some minerals, right? It's trying to extract minerals out of it. So it pumps this blood hard or fast. So you're not hard, probably not the word faster is the word. Now, if you're not getting the minerals out of it, then it's going to continue to stay high, right? Until it, it, it eventually starts to get low. But what's going to happen is it starts pulling minerals from other parts of your body now. They say, okay, well, you know, the hair is not important, right? So I'm going to pull minerals from the hair. I don't care. I go bald. I need, I'm trying to survive, right? So it'll pull minerals from the hair. Now you wonder why your hair can't grow on your bald. It's a mineral deficiency. Your body's trying to survive at this point, you see? So, you know, your body will take from things that, may feel like it's not important to itself so because it's trying to save itself pulling minerals from different parts of the body so now you get so now you have high blood pressure that's really all high blood pressure is it's a mineral deficiency right it's easy to get rid of by just eating proper foods um you know anything from uh foods you know with magnesium in it food potassium in it uh phosphorus calcium you know these these are what's going to help maintain blood pressure level um cardiovascular system and health but if we're not getting these then this is where this this ease or this uncomfortableness is going to come from and that's simply um a mineral deficiency so you know herbs that you could take to get it down you could do the dandelion root those are easy herbs to find they grow right in your yard right in your backyard but they fight the dandelion they use weed eater and because they they see it as weeds right they want to beautify nature and plant this and plant that and cut the weeds down but most of the weeds are the highly nutritious plants that we should be eating you know and, and drinking or using so the dandelion root is one. Nettle is another one that could be used. Burdock root, hibiscus flower, some say call it sorrow. And that's just the name of few. You know, alfalfa leaf, you know, those are the name of few that you can use to get your blood pressure down. But then eating, you know, your leafy green vegetables, eating your fruits, feeding the blood what it really needs. That's, you know, the minerals. So we're not getting that. And so, you know, your body is basically at a, a nutrition deficit at this point. Wow. I'm getting educated today. <laughs> I'm really getting educated. Uh, but let me ask another question because I think I am best when it comes to asking questions because I don't have the content. You have the content right behind you. 
is a photo of one of the finest medicinal minds that the African mm. community has had in South America and North America, mm. uh, largely in the United States of America. Celebrities have been healed, left eye, Stephen Sakal, you name them, Dr. Sebi. I, I wonder why you have that photo behind him. But uh, before you go there, I want to ask something related to him. You said uh, all the diseases that are prevalent in the community, they can be reduced into one solution or the problem is lack of minerals. Hence, you'll have the heart when it's, it's, it's having its own issues. It will pull somewhere from other body organs in order to deal with that. He said, Dr. Sebi, all disease can be reduced into one. It's one disease. It's mucus. That was a revelation to me. I'm like, eh, what? And he had a case in New York Supreme Court, which he won, by the way, against all these medical experts, FDA. He had all these and doctors, he were able to beat them in court because he had mentioned that all disease is one disease, is mucus. Talk to us about it. You know, mucus, is there. there is good mucus and there's bad mucus. So he was, he, he, he's right, but a lot of times people get it confused at what he was saying. He wasn't talking about good mucus. So you, you need mucus in the body, right? The problem happens when you have excess mucus, okay? So you have good mucus and you have bad mucus. Good mucus is all over our body. Mucus, you have the mucus membrane that's sort of like an insulator in your body. It's all over, right? But it, what it does is it traps you know, form bacteria, viruses, you know, things like that. It traps it and normally you 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 know you, you might spit it out, you might sneeze it out, you might poop it out, you know, urine it out, but um that is what mucus is used for. So the mucus is like a part of your immune system. This this helps you. Mucus forms cartilage cartilage forms bones so you can't really get rid of mucus you need mucus the problem happens when you have excess mucus now excess mucus in the body it starts to in a sense plaque up right it's, it's too much so now it starts to turn into a plaque and this is where inflammation gets into the body when inflammation gets into the body this is where the diseases come from all right, so whether you can have, um, and so when we talk about, let's say, for example, itis, right? When we, we, when we see that um, suffix at the end of any word, we know in the, in the medical world that that just means inflammation, right? So if we're talking about, let's say, for example, bronchitis, right? We know that this is inflammation of the bronchial tubes, right? And we're saying pancreatitis, we're saying this is inflammation of the pancreas. You see um, gingivitis, right? This is inflammation of the gums. Like, so we can, we have anywhere, but all of this is, so all of this stems from excess of mucus that is not coming out. And so um, it turns into inflammation, right? So inflammation, so you could say mucus or you can say inflammation. He's going to, he, he would be right either way, but the mucus is going to cause the inflammation. So you know, most people say, no, it's actually inflammation, but it's like, yeah, but what causes the inflammation? Mucus, you see? So, yeah, he was right when he was saying that. So that's, you know, but yeah, but just to clear that up, it's like mucus um, is not totally a bad thing. You know what I mean? Got you, got you there. As I mentioned uh, today, it's, uh, I'm taking a class, I'm taking notes. Well, at the end, we will speak about uh, where people can find the products that you and then not only that, we'll also speak about the classes that you teach and how that mm -hmm. goes. But now let's come to food. You know, I mm -hmm. think I will have to have you come back some other time if you left there. Yeah, no problem. Do that. Yeah. Let's talk about food. You have mentioned somebody who stole, and maybe not him, because it seemed like in his writings, he was able to acknowledge that his education came from Africa. But the Europeans, they decided to credit him with being the father of medicine, namely Hippocrates, uh, the Greek. He, we are told that he said, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. And I think that he learned from Africa since he, in his writing, we are told that he acknowledged where he, he learned his medicine and he acknowledged M. Hotep, the great African, the first multi, the first world multi genius. So mm -hmm. talking 
about food. What is what should be the typical diet for an African vis-a-vis Europeans? Maybe just to expand on that, you know, I have problem with milk. I'm lactose intolerant. And I've got problem with cheese. I love cheese. Love to eat cheese. I I, I remember you spoke about it earlier at 14. We had to deal with that. I'm still battling with that. I avoid buying it. But somewhere, if somebody mm-hmm. says, hey, here is food and it is cheese. Sometimes I say no success, but sometimes I'm tempted to still pick it up. You know, so the whole point I'm trying to make here is there seems to be food that is fine for Europeans, meat, all these kinds of meat. But it seems like we are not doing well with that ourselves. So talk to us about a typical African diet that will become our medicine and also become our food as uh, the saying goes, let thy food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. Right. So like, like I was saying earlier like uh, when you're talking about food food affects us on so many levels on a genetic level spiritual level a mental level like it, it affects us um even on an emotional level because we we become addicted to food a lot of us are addicted to food we are addicted to eating and you're not necessarily addicted to um necessarily the food but the chemicals in the food right there as a that keeps you addicted and wanting to continue to eat this food. Now, as far as for the African diet, uh, we, all people, right, whether African, European, Asian, whatever, you normally, we should start eating for our genetics, right? Eating for what is natural to us, eating from a cultural level. When you look at your plate, you should see your culture on your plate, right? When the Italians eat, they see their culture on their plate. They ain't going to Ethiopia to eat no Ethiopian food. They want some pasta, bread. That's their culture. So they're going to see culture on their plate. You're never going to see China man going to a Mexican restaurant eating. No, he wants to see a culture on his plate. Now, when it comes to the African, we got everybody culture on our plate except for our own plate. You see? Upside. I'm very upside. Right. <laughs> and that's that's really our issue. So we only sick because we're eating outside of our nature. You see, uh, we're eating things that are not indigenous to our continent. Um, we even when we think that is indigenous to our continent, when we really look and delve back in it, we will notice that man, it's never grew in Africa. Like rice, we give example of rice. Rice was brought to Africa. It's not natural to Africa. We only have we ate the only grains or grasses we ate right were like tiff, bonio, you know, millet, sorghum, you know, those those type of uh, grains. Uh, quinoa, right? But we never had rice. Rice was something that was brought, you know, in to Asians. We we just knew how to grow it. Why? Because we we I mean we we by nature we we gonna be able to do it better. You know what I'm saying? So we understood how to grow this grass, what they call it rice. And um, but we never realized that this rice was going to be our detriment. We didn't realize that it was just full of starch, right? Nature doesn't create starch. Nature, that's what we call a starch is what they call a carbonic acid. They use starch to bind things together, to bind foods together to make new foods, right? But we never ate, we never had starchy foods. You know, when you talk about the yam and the cassava and all these things, these are not indigenous. So this is things that we weren't really supposed to be eating, you see. Um, and not, not the yam, but the sweet potato. I'll be getting them mixed up sometimes. But um, these are the things, or, or just the potato itself. All of these things are not indigenous to us. This is not things that we should be eating. And so we suffer from it. You see, one of um one of my teachers, um, spiritual teacher um by the name we call him Baba Yanun, or um the world may call him Dr. Malachi Kabina York, he um he taught us how to diagnose our race, diagnose our family. And what is meant by that is basically you pay attention to your elders. When you see the sicknesses of your elders, you pay attention to what they ate. And when you see what they've been eating, this is what has been making them sick. This is what pretty much has been making your whole race sick by looking at your elders, because the food has been passed down from generation to generation. 
Now, you probably heard that people will say, oh, you know, uh, diabetes runs in my family and this and that. But no, it's, no disease runs in your family. It's the foods that have been passing down that runs in your family. And so you're going to suffer from the same diseases. And so pay attention to our elders. We'll see what sicknesses come up and we'll know. Now we pay attention to what foods they eat. We say, oh, okay, we, we're not supposed to eat this. This is no good, right? So this is how we diagnose our race. So from we diagnose our race, we'll know, oh, we've got to go back to eating more of these indigenous type foods that we've been eating eating the fruits, eating the grains, eating the vegetables, all of these things that um, had us thriving in our society, had us thinking clear in our society. All of these are because we we fail now and we're sick now because we're eating things that are not of our culture. Yeah, you were talking about diagnosing your race and you took me back home in Africa. They have been in the U.S. for a few years. I can still remember the old, our Koreanis, they necessarily did not need to be expert herbalists, but it was more of a natural thing to have the, the elderly people in the community understanding plants. There may be those that is really specializing that they're really good when somebody goes there if the Koreanis can't figure out something. Sometimes you just come around the corner, just come in front of grandma or great-grandma, and they will start flinching, you know, maybe sometimes even shout and say, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. They can look at your face and sh- they can tell that you are sick. Yeah. And they can even mm-hmm. go and tell you, hey, go and pick this and this and this and this and this together. Come, let's mm-hmm. boil. So I, I know that experience, unfortunately, that is evaporating out of the community in Africa because you're becoming more and more westernized because of what I call Hollywood. Hollywood has brought all the interesting things that do not really give life, you know. So I I just wanted to bring that uh, to the record that I have quite a vivid memory of some of the people that um, in the family who understood uh, plants to some degree and were able to diagnose just looking at the face. Today, the doctors, they need to put in something into you. Yeah. Let's test your blood. Let's do all this run all the tests, they've got no idea, right? If you just take me and I'm your brother, you put me in the doctor's chambers and then you go, you never say anything. The doctor, hey, please take care of my brother, he's sick. And I can't speak. You have given them a serious problem, right? Because they need to hear you tell them what have you been eating, uh, tell them what has been going on. They can't just look at the body. While traditional and the ancient, I will still use the word ancient, by the way, you know, people were able to just tell, observing the person, the physical body that this person is sick with this. You can look at the eyes, open your eyes and they can tell hey, what's going on. Yeah, I do not know if you still have something to piggyback on that or I should ask the next question. So when you're looking at, when they do that, you're looking at, essentially you're looking at the nervous system, mm-hmm. all right? So when you when you come start, when you start, it starts from the nucleus, right? So you can start all the way from the embryo from when you were born and you had your central, what they call a central nervous system, all right? This center point and it's stretched out, it stretches out. Now, keep in mind when it stretches out, it's not broken, it just stretches out. So it stretches out the limbs, you know, this it starts to form, um, you know, the heart, it starts to form the muscles, starts to form the bones, etc. So you are now stretched out, you're growing individual, but it started from that one nucleus point. Nothing ever was broken or differentiated, so it's still connected together right so when i so now when i look at a person's eyes when i see dark rings around that eye i know that that is connected to the liver and the kidney you see i know when i'm um looking at different inconsistencies in your skin depending on what part of your face or your hands or whatnot is on I know what part of the body internally that is talking that is a that needs to be addressed. And see, your body, our body is always telling us a story. You know, we just need to learn how to listen to it. We, we've come out of um, out of tune with the communication with the body, and so we we also suffer from that. But that is that is what we're really looking at when we look at 
when our elders looked at us, looked at our eyes and say, um, you know, they got yellow eyes, you oh, that's your liver, you know, they got jaundice or et cetera. So we knew just from that alone that um you so like I said to make it short, yeah, you you looking at the nervous system. This is really fascinating uh, conversation. You know, sometimes they will even tell you to open up your mouth and they look straight into the mouth. They will yeah. not only tell what's wrong, they'll be able to give the right prescription uh, for your mm -hmm. healing. On the aspect of food, yeah, man, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, next time, I, I, I must report earlier, I want us to get deeper into the elements of food, elements of herbs, talking about vibration and how food changes your vibration, your moods and your brain performance, your heart performance, your organ performance and all that. Uh, but today I just want to conclude with a few questions. The next time we will really go deep into the science of disease and the science of, uh, of food. Uh, maybe one of the last questions, what is in today's food that is causing disease? Uh, I complain about brain fog. I hear people talking about brain fog. What is in today's food? that we've been exposed to that is causing disease and all this brain fog and all that? Man, it's, it's so much. Um, but what I could call it under one name, we what we call it is excitotoxins. So it's called excitotoxins. Um, and that's the, the title of it, but it's so many under that banner, right? So you can do anything from uh, MSG or what they call monosodium glutamate, gluten, aspartame, aluminum, different metals. Um, did you have food dyes such as like red 40 and yellow number five, red for um, what you call blue 40, all, all these different uh, food dyes, all of these things. And then of course sugar, right? But all of these, um, and it's, it's a long list of excitotoxins, uh, which it sounds like what it sounds like. It excites the brain, you know, um, these toxins rather excite the brain. And these can cause anything from uh, dementia, can cause anything from uh, what what they call ADHD, right? But um, Alzheimer's, there's so many. Um, and, but yet, still yet, it can cause, um, you know, things like um, obesity, it can cause arthritis, it can cause cancer. All these different agents um, are under what they call excitotoxins. So if you were to research excitotoxins, it'll be like a long list of foods uh, or different chemicals, let's say that, that's, that are in these so-called foods that are causing um, these diseases. So it's always just important to um, try to eat as much whole foods as possible um, versus processed foods. But it, it, that's, that's, the, that's the short answer on, you know, us. Yeah, we will have the long answer next time. Uh, mm -hmm. People who will be listening to this record will be interested. So, hey, where can I find Kate? And you, I heard you guys talking about his store where he's selling these herbs. It's online. It's also face to face. You can go to a particular store in North Carolina. I mean, South Carolina. Tell us about that and where people can also find you, not just only the medicine and the, you know, suggested food that people can take for their bodies. Right. So um, I have two locations in South Carolina. One, um, 1418 Remount Road. This is um, North Charleston, South Carolina. And then um, in 908 Bacon's Bridge Road is in Somerville, South Carolina. You can contact us uh, at 843-709-3006 or another number, 854-902-0424. Website, of course, is Sacred Roots with a Z. Um, that's dot com. Um, or you can find us on social media as well. Um, Sacred Roots, Sacred Roots 9 um, on Instagram or Sacred Roots LSC on Facebook. Um, I'm Ket Wass, K-H-E-T-W-A-S 9 um, on Instagram. So these are different, different, um, different ways you can contact us. You can email us. You know, um, usually questions, you can set up consultations. Um, you can go on the website and you, and it's just a, um, you know, a plethora of information on each herb. So you can just click on a herb and it's, it's kind of, um, labeled by different diseases that you may have. So you can click on that disease. There you go. You got the melanin formula right there. <laughs> 
So, you know, um, different things, you can just click on the link and, and just educate yourself. You can purchase, that's beautiful, but at the same time, you know, click on it, just educate yourself on um, the different herbs and their um, medicinal properties. I think you haven't mentioned, unless my mind was off for a while, but that you mentioned in the beginning that you are an educator, and I saw that there is a cost at about $600, and that is on the oh, yeah. yeah that is still on the discount side as soon as it's fully developed yeah. it's gonna go higher and i'm interested in the top just conclude with that right so we do have um sacred roots academy um it is accredited school so you you will be able to be um certified um herbalist also certified um holistic nutritional um, counselor as well so you know we what we do is we teach people about how we break how i, how I break it down I break it down into sections we teach about the anatomy of the body in each section of the body whether it's the nervous system um you know immune system cardiovascular etc um we we teach about it you know we, we give you the functionalities of it and then we correlate it with the herbs that helps heal that particular system um it's important to do that because if you don't understand the functionality of the body then you, you can't heal it it's that simple and so i start with that um then we get into of course learning how to self-diagnose so we learn how to self-diagnose by face mapping what we talked about earlier um, and then we get into the herbs, you know, we get into the herbs, um, learning how to make herbal tinctures, salves, uh, learning the proper usage and all how to administer these herbs and herbal therapies, things like that. Um, so, you know, you, you, you know, you don't hurt anybody, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's, it's, it's things that you need to know in the herbal world. Um, when you're dealing with your client, you know, your client, whether it's male or female, whether it's a child, whether she's pregnant, you know what I mean? It's different herbs cause for different, you know, actions. So you'll learn, you'll learn all of that within the course. So it's really like a dual certification. By the time you finish with the course, you will be a certified herbalist as well as a, a holistic nutritional counselor. Thank you so much, brother. Thank, Thank you for coming through. And I look forward to a second episode where we'll dive deeper into all this, some of this stuff you've spoken about, mainly food and the, and, and the herbs. We appreciate your, you know, willingness to share this wealth of information for listeners and anybody who will come across this record in the future. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you, bro, brother. Appreciate you having me, man. Bye.